Hello and welcome into the 21st episode of March to the Pod presented by Eternal Roofing. We're going to find out what 2024 has in store for the Cats and Conference USA. And we're going to find that out by looking at how the landscape has changed across Conference USA football since the season ended. Coaching changes, transfer portal, you name it, it's happened. Realignment could come up again here in 2024. We'll discuss how that could come into play for the Cats. And then we're going to preview some basketball openers. Conference USA, the both men's and women's team are beginning their Conference USA basketball openers on Saturday. I'm your host, Corey Hogue, the non-FBS insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Find me on your favorite social media channel at Corey Hogue Sports. You don't want to hear from me. You want to hear from the guy that I'm joined by. Again, he's creator and manager of Sports of SHSU. That's all one word. On Twitter and Instagram, the chief operating officer of the Cat Fund and proud Bearcat alum, the guy who knows the Cats better than any of us, Ben Sorrells. Ben, uh, if you, I, I got, we're going to start out here because we got friends at Eternal Roof. So I want to make sure that we let people know that if you contacted our friends at Eternal Roofing for Christmas lights, it's probably getting close to time to contact them to get them down. Yeah. Yeah. It's been what, over a week now. It's New Year has passed. I think it's time. January 3rd. This will probably go out a little later. It's it's time. Yeah. Okay. So here's a question for you. We're just going to start the new year off completely winging it because that's what we do. Uh, it. Growing up, my dad, my mom had a thing. The tree came down on January 1st. Lights came down January 1st, which I hated. I was wanting to get that done and go watch football, right? Like, I just wanted to, but here I am stuck outside in the cold trying to help take down lights for no dang reason, right? Just because it's a day, it's January 1st. Then my wife says it's all about epiphany, right? So we, we keep things up through epiphany and sometimes maybe later, because at this point in my life, are you going to tell me I'm not allowed to have my Christmas tree up in January? Seriously, come on. You can. I'm not going to care. Right. Uh, I, I, what I'm curious, though, Ben, is what what do you what what kind of a standard do you go by with that? Yeah, so we were definitely a New Year's family, taking most everything down on New Year's. But now that I've been married a couple of years, it's kind of right after Christmas. Uh, we took them down on the 26th, I think, last year. Took them down. Oh gosh, maybe the 27th or 28th this year. So we put them up very early and we take them down very early as kind of the new tradition here. Well, that's, uh, hey, look, you're ready to turn the page. I get it, you know, but we also have rules that it can't go up until after Thanksgiving. That's that's what I followed growing up, but don't tell my wife that because it's up November 1st. That's what it's been the past couple of years. Oh, no, that's cool. I'm good with that. But my daughter, she thinks that you're not giving Thanksgiving its due respect when you do that. Yeah, I don't know about that. Do what you want. But yeah, I grew up with the uh, Friday after Thanksgiving. That was typically when things started to go up for us. Well, if while you were putting your lights up or taking them down, you had any issues with your with your roofing or need to call somebody, we know the people you call Eternal Roofing. Taylor Andrus and the crew at Eternal Roofing will help you get everything you need. They're going to come by, give you free detailed inspections of your roof, let you know if you need something replaced. If you do, they're going to bring it to you fast and professionally. They're not going to give you any high-pressure sales pitch, and they only use the absolute 
best stuff. So give our friends over at Eternal Roofing a call. In the Montgomery area, you call area code 936-215-8539. In the Hill Country, area code 830-251-5673. And as always, you can email Taylor directly, taylor at eternalroofingtx.com. Ben, I don't know about you, but uh, when I look back at 2023 from a personal standpoint, it was wild, man. Like, the year started with me headed out to Georgia for a week to try to make life and death decisions over a, a close relative. Uh, then this close relative made a miraculous recovery. And is and is walking around with us now, um, and then you know it had some great things. Just just personally, look, I mean, it, it feels like I was looking back at photos and looking back at credentials. I was filing them away and stuff today. I was like, my goodness, man! Not only the football games, but the the Final Four was last year. Uh, all the regionals, all that good stuff. Football season was fun. And then it ended with a little bit of uh, life happening uh, for for us. And uh, unfortunately, life has affected all the crew of, uh, of March to the Pod. So I don't know about you, but when 2024 came in, I was ready, ready to turn that page, ready to get going. And I just hope the cats are too. Yeah, there was definitely a lot of life that happened the last two months of the year for the March to the Pod crew, and I was definitely ready to turn the calendar to 24 after a very interesting 23, and yeah, looking forward to an exciting year, lots of change going into 2024 based on what happened in 23, but yeah, should be an exciting year, and um, year two in Conference USA for some sports we're looking forward to, year one coming up for a couple sports um, here in the spring, so Definitely an exciting time for St. Houston Athletics. All right. So I'm just, before we get into what I actually told you we're going to talk about, though that calendar turns for me, and and I am a baseball fanatic. I love baseball. It's my favorite sport. Uh, If there's one thing that I've probably watched more than outside of football, I've watched a ton of Cats football, but I love watching good baseball teams. And so I watch Sam Houston baseball quite a bit. I'm looking forward to watching a lot more of them this year. Not just that, but softball, baseball yeah. and softball season. And man, that's coming up. Like we're going to be doing previews here in two to two, three weeks. That's, uh, that's what I was going to say. The 16th I know is the opener for baseball and softball is just a little before that. So yeah, we're looking at previews here in probably about two weeks and softball trying to rebound from a couple tough years. I think this is probably the most talented team they've had in a little while and then baseball looking to repeat as a conference champion obviously did it in the whack in 23 trying to do it again in a very tough conference USA in 2024 but yeah it's almost that time we're just a little over a month away from getting uh baseball and softball going put every bit of that into my veins the 16th man marking the calendar yeah. it is I love it man softball will be on all day baseball will be on all day it's fun it's fun to watch it's a fun time of year and it also says spring is coming soon yeah it hasn't been too cold but yeah I'm looking forward to it heating it back heating back up a little bit and baseball I mean it 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 hits the ground running I mean very first uh, series you host Oklahoma State for three games so I mean it's going to be a fun start and it's going to start quick and we're almost there 
man, I can't wait to start digging into that. But that's still a couple weeks away because this week we're we're focusing on what has changed within Conference USA. This is all about kind of what's happened and where we go for this year. And Conference USA has changed a lot since the end of the season. Ben, you've got three new head coaches. UTEP fired Dana Dimmel. They replaced him with Scotty Walden from Austin P, who has ties into Texas non-FBS football. Jerry Kill retired from New Mexico State. Health issues, man. That's the thing with Jerry. I feel bad for him, right? Like, I mean, every, Jerry Kill is a great coach, but he's just health-wise not able to to do that. You know, he's not able to stay in there. Yeah, he just – I think he said he ran out of gas in the tank, and I mean – it's hard. I mean, it's year round with the portal, NIL, spring ball, the actual season. There's really no off season when it comes to college football. So, I mean, what he did there in two years is really incredible. And it's obviously a huge loss for, for New Mexico State, who's had maybe two of their best years in school history. And then um, you lose your head coach, you lose your quarterback, lose a lot to the portal. So that's obviously a really big loss for them. Yeah. And that quarterback's looking at going a lot of places, you know, uh, <laughs> You talk about the offseason. It is. It is nonstop right now. You know, they just finished early signing day over the new year. They're not taking time off. These guys are filling staff positions and, and they're recruiting for national signing day coming up here in February. Then as soon as signing day is over, the focus is spring football. Then you have spring football and the transfer portal season is open again. The only month of of off if you want to call off season in in college football anymore where there is not much going on is june and that's ridiculous yeah and even june i mean i think guys report for workouts kind of towards the middle end of june so it's not even that entire month because you got guys coming back for summer workouts and yeah it's it's a 12-month job that's for sure there's no weeks off Oh, it is. Yeah, no, the, the schools do. I, from a writer's standpoint, I don't necessarily worry about when they start coming, but I know they do. And, and again, for my sake, I hope every school can afford to have players come on there over summer because it only makes uh, the football better. Uh, the UTEP hire, I want to go back to that one there. Dana Dimmel, nobody is, there was no surprise he was fired. That was kind of known it was coming about the last six weeks. It was just a matter of when are they going to do it. I do like the addition of Scotty Walden, though, man. That's a that's a sneaky good hire for the Miners. Yeah, and also hit on the before we get into that because I have a couple things to say with UTEP. Is Middle Tennessee finally got rid of Stockstill and moved on to uh, the old Vanderbilt coach? I'm, I'm drawing a blank here. Derek Mace. Uh, yeah, I, I, Derek we're going to get to all three. Of yeah, them. yeah. Middle yeah, Tennessee so fired Rick Stockstill. Uh, they named Derek Mason the coach. He old Vanderbilt. He was. <laughs> SEC network analyst last year. Yeah. Uh, so he took a, a, he decided he wanted to get back into the grind because otherwise he had, he was living the good life. Yeah. And, and back to UTEP, I mean, it looks like UTEP's kind of trying to build it through the high school ranks. I think they realize it's not really a thing you can kind of turn around in one year at a program like UTEP after kind of the rough seasons they've had. And they also just recently hired Chad Johnson as their director of recruiting who, was most recently at Willis, and so they're really trying to make a play in the Houston area. So uh, it'll be interesting to kind of see what their recruiting looks like going forward because that's a big hire to get into the Houston area. And, um, yeah, they've got some momentum. I don't think they're going to be very good this year, but I think in two, three years, they definitely could start making some noise in Conference USA. All right, if I'm, if I'm UTEP, if I'm Scotty Walden, there's two things I'm working on. 
I think Houston, you have a chance of getting some talented players to go to Utah. I think that's a place you really can't because let's face it, El Paso, the talent, you're not getting, you're not filling a college team out of El Paso. Right. And so the other place, and I'm, I'm telling you, Ben, I've been saying this for a couple of years now, the one place that is coming up and starting to challenge California, Florida, and Texas for the recruiting is Arizona. There is a lot of talent in Arizona. And when you're in El Paso, you're, you're pretty darn close. You can sneak in there and start getting Tucson, Mesa, Phoenix area. You get some guys that are connected there and the guys connected into the Houston area. That could be the recipe for success at Utah. Right. And I think they kind of realize it's not an overnight build and it's going to take a year or two, which is probably the right way to go about it. And yeah, Arizona is very good. I mean, a lot of prep schools, a lot of private schools on top of some good public schools. So, I mean, if they could start to poach some from the Houston kind of East Texas area, start to reach into Arizona, they could be a school to watch for the next couple of years. I think it's going to be a slow build, but I think it was a good hire and we'll kind of see where they go here uh, in the next few years. Tony Sanchez, wide receiver coach, promoted to take over for Jerry Kill at New Mexico State. I, I know, look, the portal, we're going to get into that here in a minute, of uh, the transfer portal and how that's changed things. Tony Sanchez was coach at UNLV. He's got that previous experience. But there's something magical about a Jerry Kill coach team. Can Tony Sanchez carry that magic forward? It's going to be hard because, I mean, every coach that's been there before Kill wasn't able to do it. And I know he was there with Kill, so we'll see if he can kind of keep it going. But losing Diego Pavia, um, probably the second-best quarterback in Conference USA, who's been really good the last two years, is going to hurt. Lost a lot on the defensive end of the ball. Um, a couple all-conference guys. And so it's going to be hard to just kind of recreate that magic. And we haven't seen it be sustained at New Mexico State before, so – um, I think there's definitely going to be some growing pains. I think they've built a lot of momentum for themselves the last couple of years they could maybe build off of. Um, but this next year, I think it might be there might be some growing pains. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I think um, it's going to be hard to rebound from Kill leaving, but Sanchez was there. Maybe he can keep some of it going. Well, in, in as much as the transfer portal can hurt you, it can also help you. And and I get it's not positive, right? We've seen um, – get well, before we get into all this, give us the numbers, Ben. How many people, how many all-conference selections from Conference USA have entered the transfer portal looking for that FBS payday? Yeah, so as of about a week and a half, two weeks ago, it was 17. And then yesterday, before the, the transfer portal window, window closed, you saw Caden Salter go in and Kobe Singleton go in. Um, I believe, so Salter was the player of the year, and then Singleton at Liberty, I believe, was an all-conference player as well. So you're pushing 20, if not at 20 already. So, um, I mean, if you think about it, almost the entire first team or the entire second team or half of the entire all-conference team is in the portal, and then you're going to graduate some as well. So it's going to be a very different-looking conference going into the next year. We've mentioned Pavia has left. We've mentioned Salter has left. Austin Reed from Western Kentucky has graduated. So probably your top three quarterbacks in the league are all gone and won't be back next year. So that's really going to change the landscape of this league going into 2024. Of course it does. 
and that can be good news for the cats. And, and listen, before we start, and b- before anyone out there starts complaining about the transfer portal, right, and all these athletes going up, let me explain to you that this is the new age of college football, and you have two choices. You either adjust and you start feeling, you start realizing you're going to lose some of your better players, right? And you're going to lose them to FBS. They're going to transfer. They're going to enter the portal. You need to start looking at some of the other G5s, right? Maybe FBS dropping down guys. And maybe looking at some of the D2 guys that enter as well. Because complaining about it isn't going to fix your roster and help you win games. So why, it's... You know, you've got to work with the system you're in. I, I will tell you, Ben, I talked to a head coach, an FCS head coach, and I don't know if I said this on the last podcast, but uh, I spoke to him during state championships. And he he mentioned to me that things had to change, that, that you know, he was told from his athletic director that you're either, you're either changing with the times or you're about to get left behind. You know, and there are a lot of coaches that have been successful um, in the past, but the times have changed, and we're not seeing all of them keep up with that. But it, it feels to me that Keeler is always on top of those changing winds and able to keep keep that ship sailing forward, even in the change of the transfer portal. He adjusted just quickly. Yeah. I mean, adjusted by redshirting a ton of guys to have them ready for this last year, adjusting by using the portal, um, signed a lot of guys. I think they signed uh, probably four in the early signing period. Now there's probably going to be at least four or five more from the portal coming up. Um, a couple have already verbally committed. They haven't officially announced yet, so they've got more coming there. And we've seen, I mean, Clemson, a, t- a team that was either in the national title game or winning a national title for about five years straight is taking a pretty big step back because they've just kind of refused to use the portal and um, it's either adapt or die. I mean, there's, there's really no way around it. You're going to lose guys to the portal and the only way to really replace them immediately is through the portal. And if you don't do that, I mean, it's going to be really tough to compete. Um, so yeah, it's something you have to do. It's almost like a necessary evil kind of thing. That's a, that is a great one to bring up that I hadn't thought. Clem- part of it with Clemson is the portal. Part of it is, for a little bit, Dabo was winning those high school battles, but he's not winning those anymore. You know, when you're at that level of FBS uh, where you're in the college football playoff every year or threatening to be in there, um, the portal does is a big thing, and you have to use that. Uh, Dabo, I think, would, would be wise to listen to some of that advice, but you also got to keep winning those high school battles for those five stars that are game changers because – when you get into these games, man, we watched this weekend, right? When you're watching Texas, Washington, Alabama, and Michigan, the the difference between those teams is just so minute. One player that's a game changer that you're able to convince can be the difference in those games. Yeah, it's about recruitment, but it's also about development. I mean, just because you have the top class in Conference USA doesn't mean anything unless you can develop them from a high school standpoint, same thing from the portal. I mean, you could bring in the best portal guys, but if they're not in a position to be able to succeed and use their abilities, it doesn't mean a lot. So um, yeah, portal's big. It's uh, high school recruiting is big as well, but development is also really big. Okay. Um, so, so it goes both ways. It 
that now you you hit on it there when you talk about development because the good news for cats fans is and i'm I'm saying it's good news this could actually be bad news too but what we're gonna say good news is that most of the cats players stayed out of the portal most of them at least are committed through spring practice there will be another opportunity after spring practice uh, to hit the portal that can be good news. It can also mean that there aren't many guys coming after <laughs> Sam Houston's players. But I also think that when you look at that, the co- the cohesiveness is one thing, but having that full offseason in the system to get better could lead, and in some ways some people are going to say should lead, to a more successful 2024 on the football field. Exactly. I mean, Sam Houston, I mean, I don't know the exact stats, but they might have lost the least amount of production that I've seen of any school in the portal. The only position that they were really hit hard in was the DB room, but um, you have a lot of young guys coming up that played a lot this past year. And then you added Jalen Jimerson, who played in every game for Liberty this past year and contributed at a high level. Um, So you should be fine there. I mean, you return everybody on offense except quarterback and um, that continuity could be big. I mean, you return nearly everyone from this last year's team. And on, another thing with continuity that Sam Houston has going for them is this is the first time since 2021 they'll have the same offensive coordinator for back-to-back years. Um, so having that's going to be big. Um, 22, we saw John Perry replace Ryan Cardi. And then last year we saw Bradford Nelson come in. Um, so they kind of have that back-to-back years with a lot of returning weapons, I think, could lead to some success. But uh, we'll see how it plays out on the field, but I think St. Houston's in a good spot going into next year and hasn't lost a lot in the portal so far. Well, and the portal can be used for good too, right? Like everybody puts the portal for bad, but you can improve your team in the portal. And and Jalen Jimerson's a great example. It is an interconference transfer, but that's an improvement at, at defensive back over a lot of a lot of players that are there, right? Like that's a good player to go get. So the yeah. portal can be good. Now, cats offense, same coordinator finally, but it's not the case for the defense. Um, and and, and I want to address something here. Joe Morris, um, tell us where he went to, what his position is. Yeah, so Joe Morris leaving Sam Houston. It's been about a week since that came out. He was our defensive coordinator the past few years. He's leaving to go to New Mexico State to join that new staff over there to be their D-line coach. Um, and with that, there is a pay increase as well. So you you kind of drop down in what you're doing and responsibilities going from coordinator to D-line, um, but you get a pay raise as well. So a little bit concerning there on the coaching staff so, side. So, so hold on. You have a defensive coordinator of a team in Conference USA going to be a a position coach for a team in conference USA. And he's making 50 K more as a position coach in the conference than he was making as defensive coordinator. Ben until that gets fixed, that's a funding issue. That's an issue from donors, right? That's big money. That's not small money. People that's big money people. But until that gets fixed, that's going to be hard for the Cats to compete. It is. And Sam Houston's assistant coaching pool, this is all public data through USA Today and just public records, but their, their assistant coaching pool is about $350,000 less 
um, than the average um, Conference USA school, and I believe it's about 200,000 behind Jacksonville State, who's um, the second lowest, I believe. So you're, you're pretty far behind even the next lowest school in Conference USA, and to be able to keep and retain um, coaches, you, you got to pay them. I mean, it's one thing to keep players, and that's big, but it's also big to keep these coaches as well because um, they play a big part in winning also. Okay, so in your opinion, and again, strictly your opinion, did Joe leave more for, I mean, let's face it, position coach, more money, or was it kind of one of those mutual things where he and Keeler decided, you know, we just think it's time to go the next step with the defense. So some another direction. Right. Yeah, I think it was a little bit of both. I think there was kind of a mutual parting of ways. And then when this opportunity comes along, you have to jump at it. Um, so I think it's a little bit of both. I kind of I, I kind of heard that there might have been a change that was going to be made either way. Um, don't know what exactly that was going to look like. And then this opportunity comes along. So it makes sense that he would make the move. Um, and then, I mean, if you win at New Mexico State, you've got a chance to elevate there and maybe become their defensive coordinator, make more money and move up from there. I mean, it's a good opportunity. I mean, it's a school that's won a lot of games recently and you could help be a part of uh, the next staff that does that as well. Boy, let me tell you, the Cats donors are going to love to hear that they need to pay more money. They're, Somebody's got to pony up. <laughs> they're going to have to, though, man. Like, I, I realize if you're a donor and you're listening to this, you, you roll your eyes. I get it. But, my God, you have to, right? Like, if you really, truly want to compete, you cannot fund your football program at the lowest levels of FBS. Right. I mean, if you fund it at the lowest level, you're probably going to get the lowest level results. I mean. That's what it comes down to. Ultimately. Exactly right. So if you want to fix it, and look, I get now it's moving up and, and there's plans. There's patience, right? Like I'm not saying that money's got to come today, right? There, There is patience, but not for long. That patience runs out in a year or two, right? When this calendar changes over again to 25, we should not be having the same conversation next year. Exactly. I mean, there is progress, especially at the head coaching level. Um, Casey Peeler obviously got a pretty big pay bump with this most recent contract. Saw Chris Mudge get a pretty big uh, pay bump with his most recent contract. So we're seeing some strides made there, but it's got to be across the board from uh, operations, recruiting, um, strength and conditioning, all of that, all the way up to the head coach. I mean, it, it's it's got to go up, and I think people know that but it's got to happen sooner than later, or you're going to get bottom of the barrel results more than often. Exactly. Exactly. And that that's just kind of where that stands uh, heading into 2024. Is there anything else to add on that before we move? Oh man. I think that's it. As far as player movement, we had three coaching changes. Uh, three top quarterbacks are gone due to the portal or graduating 20 or so players that were on the all conference team in the portal. Um, I guess the only other one is Malachi Corley. He, he had a possible year remaining at Western Kentucky. He's moving on to the NFL, which makes sense. He'll probably be a third-round draft pick there. So, I mean, it's going to be a very different league in 2024, and we'll see where Sam Houston comes out. It's going to be fun, and we get to wait all the way until August for <laughs> that season to start. Yeah. <laughs> we want to remind everyone that we are a podcast on the Republic of Football Network and an extension of Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Please like and subscribe to the podcast and follow us on various social media platforms, including Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Threads 
at March to the pod. It's all one word. March, the number two, the pod. And we want to give a little special hello to those of us watching on Dave Campbell's YouTube page. We appreciate you turning in there. And before we head in to our next one here, Ben, our, our second leg, I want to go back and just mention some some things about our friends over at Eternal Roofing. We are extremely appreciative of everything they do. And Taylor Andrus is also an alum, and I know sometimes we mention that and sometimes we don't, but it's important to highlight that. We are a Sam Houston pod. We are not sponsored by the school or anything like that, but having alums and people connected to Sam Houston, a part of this is a very big key for us and something that we're very thankful for. Yeah, and that's the way we want it to be. Sam Houston podcast. Uh, sponsored by a Sam Houston alum. So it doesn't really get much better than that. And it's a great company at Eternal Roofing. I mean, they do it all, not just roofing, but general contracting and everything in between. So definitely the place to go if you need anything general contracting related, roofing related, Christmas lights, if you're planning for next year, um, they are the place to go. That's for sure. Well, and when you talk about general contracting, they can do paint, they can install gutters, garage doors, floors, woodworking if you got any crown molding that needs done repairing sheetrock all of that good stuff they can do get a hold of them if you need any of those services and montgomery office is area code 936-215-8539 in the hill country you have area code 830-251-5673 and then the email every time you can email taylor at eternalroofingtx.com again that's taylor at eternalroofingtx.com. Ben, Conference USA could be back in the headlines next year for realignment news. And uh, they were recently, too, and they ended 23 in the headlines. Uh, we know Kennesaw is coming in, so we would we would like to welcome our, our friends at Kennesaw into the conference. And the conference announced that the Blue Hens, I love it, I love it. Let's add a little color to this. We get the Delaware Blue Hens are coming in. Ben, give us the details on, on what they have about Delaware there. Yeah, so uh, obviously Kennesaw State's going to join this coming year for 24-25. And then Delaware will join that next year, starting in 2025-2026 year. Um, so it's going to be really exciting. A school that's had a lot of success at the FCS level. Um, Sam Houston has quite the connection to Sam, to Delaware especially on the football field with Casey Keeler and Ryan Cardi. So uh, a school that I think is going to bring a lot when it comes to football. I think they're going to be able to elevate pretty well. Um, has a decent basketball program as well. They've been pretty good in recent years. So I think it's a really good addition to get the, the conference to 11 teams. And um, I like it. It's going to be really fun when Sam Houston and Delaware play in the Casey Keeler, Ryan Cardi Bowl. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be a good addition and looking forward to them joining in about a year and a half. You know they're going to hate that. Ryan Cardi and Keeler are going to hate playing each other. I think they're going to love it. You think so? <laughs> I think. I mean, I think it's going to be a fun rivalry. I mean, obviously, we don't know how much how longer Keeler will be there because his contract is four years. We'll see what he does after that. So he might only get the game uh, one, maybe two times. But um, I think it's going to be fun. I, I think they're really going to compete, and it'll it'll be a fun one. 
how close i mean like are they friends or are they still people that talk because a lot of times you've heard something it, it varies right like you either have that friendship and you know this right we all have friends right and you got those friends that you like to go compete with if if you make a shot they're gonna try to up you so now you're playing horse out there in the, on the driveway or whatever right you've yep. got that competitive friend and then you've got those guys that you don't want to have to go against and, and yeah. they're, they're both friends it's yeah. just different types yeah i don't know what their relationship has been the year and a half since cardio left but i don't know if you know about this story but when keeler was fired at delaware um cardi played for him and uh keeler told cardi he was thinking about retiring and cardi called him and told him that's bs and he ended up at Sam Houston shortly thereafter. Um, and then Cardi worked as the offensive coordinator for a couple of years for Keeler. So obviously a really close relationship there. I think um, Keeler's definitely good. I think that's where the animosity might come in. Um, it's not between those two, but between maybe Keeler and Delaware, just because um, shortly after winning that national title there, after one bad year, he got fired at Delaware. So um, I think that's kind of where the rivalry might come in. Well, that makes sense. I mean, I, I could see that. Look, there will be some in the media kind of hype that up. I, I don't know that we will too much. I, I just feel that there's been so much time pass along. I highly doubt that even Keeler himself would hype that too much. Yeah, and I think we've got some other rivals. Obviously, we don't like Louisiana Tech, and we got into a nice brawl with Middle Tennessee to end this year. So I think we've already got some rivalries cooking. We'll see what that one leads to. It's it's becoming a very blue conference. Blue Raiders, yeah. Blue Hens. It's it's getting blue, but no one, no one thinks realignment is done. No one in their right mind. It's not done at the FBS. It's not done at the Power Five. So it's certainly not done for Group of Five. I don't think anyone is coming down to join Conference USA from another Group of Five school. Maybe SMU might because they've been getting bodied over there by Florida State and the ACC. You know, uh, maybe, maybe they might the SMU feel like they've been getting picked on a lot lately. Right. Yeah. And here I am just adding to it. Of course. Uh, <laughs> now, I hope they don't join. We won't win a lot, a lot of titles in football. If they do, They're, they are good. <laughs> oh, they are good. And if you see their schedule for next year, they're stepping it up, man. They're serious about going into the ACC. It just, yeah. you know, Florida state had a few, few things to say about the addition of SMU and one of them was very valid right like their own state conferences don't even want them so why wouldn't we right i get it i get that look there are candidates for conference usa and the conference usa is one of those that if you're a team fcs looking to move up it's very attractive to you this is one you want to go to we've got delaware kennesaw state jacksonville state sam houston there's two more on this line, and one of these uh, that have been mentioned and rumored about, I have pretty good information on uh, here. One of these teams is Tarleton, very familiar with the Texans. Uh, and the other one, Ben, is UMass. If you had to pick one, which one would it be? And what are the odds that both could get into the conference? So I'll start with the second part. I don't think they're going to add both because adding one more would get you to 12 and adding a 13th just doesn't really make a lot of sense from a numbers perspective. I think more likely is probably going to be Tarleton, but I think we're probably a year or two away. 
I, I think UMass is a very viable option, but I think for what we've heard, at least in the athletic, uh, Chris Kamini reported that Conference USA is only going to take UMass if they come and bring all of their sports. Um, and I don't know if they want to leave the A-10 when it comes to basketball. So I think that's kind of the holdup with UMass. And so I think that's probably why I'm going to say Tarleton, but I think we still might be a year or two away from Tarleton, but that's probably the way I would lean. And I think we're only going to take one of the two. What if I told you you end up with both? Because you're going to have another school, likely I could see another school leaving and going somewhere else. I, I mean, that would make sense. I mean, I, I'm going on the fact that nobody's leaving, but I mean, we, we don't live well, in that kind of world. I yeah, mean, I'm just hypothetical. Changing. Look, yeah. I get to I get to ask these hypothetical questions, so I you know it's always fun. I I think I I would be fine with adding both if, if a school left. I mean, so who if, would uh, leave? Who who would be candidates to maybe go? I, I think Liberty would get a look from the American, uh, especially after the success they've had. I don't think Western Kentucky or Middle Tennessee are going to leave just because they're kind of a package deal. I don't know if the conference is going to take both. Um, I know there were rumors of them going to the MAC, and one school wanted to go and one school didn't, um, and so they didn't end up going. They're kind of a package deal. So I think if there's a school people are going to look at, it's probably Liberty had a ton of success. I think it could elevate a, a conference like the American. It kind of fits within their geographical footprint. So. That would probably be my best guess as far as what school might get plugged. Let me throw out Florida International. They kind of don't fit the Conference USA. They more fit an American footprint, in my opinion. Yes, I, I, I agree with that. I just I don't know if the American would take FIU, who's really struggled to win in a good majority of their sports. I mean, football hasn't been very good for a while. Basketball hasn't been very good. Uh, baseball, I don't believe, has been that great either. So um, I don't know if that would play a part in it, but Miami is a very big media market that some other conferences might want to get involved with. So that could be another possible win as well. And as far as Tarleton, I told you I, I'm very familiar. Uh, earlier this season, I, I sat down with uh, President James Hurley at, uh, during a football game at halftime, and we had a, a brief conversation. I asked him, uh, point blank about Conference USA, and and let's just say that if you if the, the invitation is extended, it's going to be accepted, All right? Yeah. Tarleton, they make no bones about wanting to move up, and that's basically the vibe I got. Is if an if Conference USA, as soon as they put out that invite, Tarleton's a member. And I think that's why I lean their way is because they're going to accept the invite the moment it comes through. I feel like an invite has already been extended to UMass and they're kind of sitting on it because they don't want to bring all of their sports over. And the A-10 is a really good basketball conference. Um, so is, that's why I'm thinking Tarleton. Is there any way that they go ahead and say Tarleton's coming, but it's not like Delaware? Delaware is, what, 25, 26? Yep. Can they do that and say 26, 27 and Tarleton not start the transition process or would they have to start the transition process when they accept an invite? I I feel like they would have to, because if, if they got the invite and accepted it, they would probably start their two-year transition. I would think, you, I, I'm of the opinion, just start the transition as quick as you can. I mean, get it going, get, get the ball rolling, try to get the money in. 
Um, that's kind of my thought with it, but yeah, that would be interesting. Well, then I say that because Tarleton's at a different position right now. That you know, money isn't necessarily the issue at Tarleton, uh, like it is right now at, at Sam Houston. But facilities are an issue, and Tarleton has a couple of years until the new gym is built. Uh, they've got plans to continue adding on to the football stadium uh, and stuff, and and eventually it's going to be pretty much a horseshoe. They're they're wanting to close off. Mm-hmm close in that one end zone they're going to redo uh what used to be the home side now visitor side they're going to make it look more like the home side and that's why i'm saying like i i know it is conference it, it would they wait around on it or if umass said we'll bring our basketball too would they go ahead and make that move just because they don't want to wait I think if UMass accepts the invite, that's that's the one. I don't know if Tarleton's going to give an invite, unless another school leaves. I mean, I and, and Vanini said in the Athletic that UMass is the number one priority right now. So that's why I feel like they're sitting on an invite. They just haven't made a decision. Um, so we'll see. I don't I don't know what you think. Who do you think would be the next one if there is a twelve team added? I'd be honest with you. You have read far more into that with reading Chris Vanini than I have. Um, I just know that Tarleton would like to. I know that Tarleton is in the position financially now and moving forward that they can make FBS work. It's just a matter of facilities catching up. They made the jump to FCS pretty successfully without facilities. I don't think you make that jump as successfully to FBS uh, without facilities and that I it's not just it's not just Tarleton that leans that way there's a lot of a ADs uh, around the whack that feel that they need their facilities in place and on par before they even start making that jump you know one school that didn't have their facilities completely done before making the jump the one that's got a podcast right now on the Dave Campbell's Texas Football <laughs> Network Republic so, of I mean, Football. we've seen it we've seen it done I mean it, it's not easy but I agree that it should be done, but we've seen it to where obviously things are still a work in progress to this point. In a lot of ways, you lose momentum when you do that. Yeah, you really do. You you, you lose. Do. You lose. It's hard to sell at the FBS level. Well, it is, especially if you're not winning, right? Like you've got to make it to the bowl game. You've got to be challenging for that bowl game. Uh, and and I know, look, it's six wins FCS. I can get eight nine. It's not the same. It's not as easy. Um, it is a, a little bit, it is harder competition. It's better players. It's better athletes, yeah. right? Like, I mean, it, it just is all the way around. So um, I, I know Tarleton is in a place where they think they could. Tarleton would make the jump and then get things caught up. I don't know if that might be better for Conference USA than UMass, honestly, Ben. I'm just not sold on what UMass brings. They're not good. You talk about athletics. They're not good. They're not good at anything. And and in Tarleton, you're getting a team that's going to do what they can to compete at FBS for football, right? But you're also going to get a team that's going to do what they can to compete in basketball. They're going to try to – they've got new baseball facilities, new softball facilities. They're starting soccer. Uh, They've got new tennis facilities. Like, seriously, their stuff is – is up to a level that if I'm conference USA and I had to choose between a UMass or a Tarleton, 
I might just sit and wait for a couple of years and, and let Tarleton know that we'll have it there and work with them to get them there. Because to me, that's the one I would want. It would bring far more momentum to my conference than the Minutemen. <laughs> that's a that's a classic mascot. But I agree. I think Tarleton is a much better long-term play. UMass might offer you a little more in the two to three years before Tarleton's caught up. But Tarleton's definitely a better long-term play. Because UMass, all they're offering at this point is a very up-and-down men's basketball program that will compete some years, won't compete other years. And... Um, a football program that's probably going to win one or two games every year. So um, Tarleton's definitely probably better, the long-term play, that's for sure. I'm old enough to remember when UMass was a repeat competitor to get into the Final Four. Uh, but I'm not sure you are, Ben. Like, it's been a long time since UMass has been actually relevant in basketball. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, not not really in my lifetime. Well, the, that tells Sorry you how old I you. am compared to you, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I I remember Calipari at UMass and those teams yeah. that he had, man. Like, you know, that that's that's when he, he got his name and got going there. That that's been a long, long time ago. So I I myself, if it was my choice, I would be uh I'd be going with Tarleton. Yeah, no, I agree. And that's why I think that's who they are gonna end up with. But we'll see. Only time will tell. Awesome. Well, you know what, Ben? We talked about the big money donors. You guys, this isn't about you, okay? So no need to roll your eyes at me again. You've already done that enough. Now we're talking to the small money, the people like Corey and Ben, right? The people like us that say, I don't have the tens of thousands that you want me to donate, but I got fives and tens, oh, you know, that I got tens and twenties that I can donate. And that's where the cat fund comes in, Ben. It's it's one of those things that people like you and I can be a part of. The alums of, of Sam Houston that can't be the big donors, this is the place for them. And, and you guys do great things for these athletes. Yeah, cat fund is definitely the place to go for as little as $10 a month uh, to be able to support these athletes through NIL, um, a bunch of different sports, and to be able to help them out and reward them from what they've done on the field and um, at the school. So yeah, if you can't give $10,000 towards the stadium, you can give $10 to cat fund. And we did a ton of football deals during the football season. Uh, just had another football deal recently. We have our basketball deals that are in progress right now. Uh, baseball's coming up here soon. I uh, actually have some golf stuff working as well here soon. Um, we've actually got a meet and greet with some of the players and coaches here in a couple of weeks before a basketball game. So uh, a lot of exciting stuff going on, so make sure you remember today at cat-fund.com. Yeah, that's the place to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, man, that, I'm not going to lie. That website does throw me off a little bit. But if you Google Cat Fund, it will take you uh, to that website. The other thing I like about the Cat Fund is 100% of that money goes right back into these players and these athletes, Ben. It's not lying in anybody's pockets for sure. That's for sure. Yeah. Us on the board, board of uh, six. I, I have to, yeah. It, we don't make any money off of it. It all goes directly towards the players. It's not about us. It's about them. So that's where the money's going and that's where it will continue to go. That's for sure. It, am I, it, I, I noticed, I think you and I are in about the same spot right now that, and for different reasons, obviously, but man, every year 
around December, January, I am so like, there's so much going on and Mm -hmm. the work is so much that, uh, I, I almost, I almost feel like I can't catch up a lot of times in December and January, you know, between high school state football championships, playoffs going on in college. um, Then you, you've got Christmas thrown in there, right? We've got holidays and family wants time, which, Hey, look, I love family time, right? They want a little bit of their piece of that pie too. Um, But I I feel like I, I can't get caught up very often in December, January. I know it. Yeah. Work and then holidays and then a bunch of sports going on. I mean, it never ends. That's, that is for sure. Well, and then, you know, a lot, some people are off work during this time. Uh, and so, you know, that's always cool too. Like my wife was off work for two weeks. That was so much fun. I just, you know, I spent most of my time working. (laughs) It's it's how it works. Yeah. (laughs) Let her rest. (laughs) Well, yeah, but uh, you know what? The, we I include them a lot of times. They they came down there with me for Saturday and and uh, uh, Friday and Saturday at the state high school championships in Dallas, and they travel with me a lot of times during the season to uh, college games and some high school games and stuff too. So, you know, it, yes, it's busy. Yes, it. But if you want to make time and take your family with you, you find a way. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, it's I'm like very thankful to have a wife life. that likes sports. I'll tell you that. I'm getting mine there. <laughs> she wasn't a baseball fan. No. Not at all. I've turned her into a baseball fan. So I, I'm making headway there. There you go. That That's the one sport I really got to work on. I think we're making some headway in football, but baseball, we've, we've got a way to go. <laughs> man, no, you got to teach her about how it's a thinking man's game. Yeah. Baseball's a Strategy. game for the brain, right? Yeah. Say yeah. 1-0 pitch, right? Fastball coming right here. Oh, he threw me off with a curveball. You do those things out loud, they start to pick up on some yeah. of these. Ah, three, two pitch, bases loaded. He's coming fastball right here, right? And, yeah. and if you show them some of that inside behind how each batter matchup has this little game that's played, that's when people that that's why to me people don't like baseball because no one has sat down and gone through each one going, all right, what are you looking for? If it's two balls, no strikes count, what's, what's coming for the pitcher. Right. right. And that battle between the pitcher and hitter. That's, that's what makes baseball games. And I mean, the game hinges on every pitch. I mean, people say it's boring, but everything could change on, on any pitch. And so you got to be locked in the whole time. There's nothing more stress, stressful than tournament baseball and NCAA yep. man, because seriously, those, the two losses, like, you know, that two losses happen in ba- We're talking baseball for crying out loud. It is so nerve wracking in those games. Yeah, it is. I That was a classic game. I'm glad we're getting NCAA football here soon as well. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that old EA Sports college game. Got that Texas was so much. On it. I think it was what? Yeah. Or two or there was like there was two years that they were on there. Tulo did not play at Texas, but he did coach at Texas. Um, I thought he played there. I know he coached for sure. No, he coached there. He Tulo did not play at Texas. Gotcha. Oh, no, look, man, I'm a Texas baseball fiend. Like the Longhorns <laughs> were what I because I'm such a baseball yeah. fan and I'm a college fan. When I grew up, I'm an 80s, late 70s baby, so I'm an 80s, 90s guy, right? So in the 80s, Gustafson was leading 
of the Longhorns to the College World Series at Rosenblatt that still had the wooden outfield wall, Roger Clemens, Brooks Kieschnick, right? Like, I, I mean, these were times I, I absolutely grew up. That's what I. That's where my love of college baseball comes from, uh, yeah. is from growing up and watching those. And and, uh, but man, that NCAA tournament is was almost like Game Seven of the Rangers Astros last year. Yeah, which was a fun one, right? <laughs> it was great for me. By the way, the Astros, uh, the the Rangers. In case you forgot, they won the World Series. So uh, there's. That. I had no idea. <laughs> Did you not? No, I had no idea. I've been living under a rock the past three months. <laughs> well, for Rangers fans, we're still trying to believe it. That's what's happening. Uh, before we get into the final segment here today, I want to give one final shout out to our friends over at Eternal Roofing. And as we've mentioned before, Taylor Andrus and crew, they do a great job. But also, if you've got a business and you need somebody who can accommodate and work around your HVAC system, any other roof equipment you might have, while also ensuring that you get minimal disruptions uh, during the installation or the repair, that you're able to keep your business running while they're fixing it. And you know you're going to get that quality, that they have the quality workmanship, you're getting quality product that they're putting on, and it's going to look good, too. If you have any questions about what a, a project looks like and the work that they do at Eternal Roofing, go to eternalroofingtx.com. They have a gallery. Go look at that gallery. It's updated uh, pretty regularly. Go there and look at it. Man, they do fantastic work. Give them a call. The Hill Country office is area code 830 251 Five six seven three Montgomery County Office area code nine three six two one five eight five three nine and if you're just not sure which one to call send an email email Taylor at eternalroofingtx.com definitely want to give them a shout out you will not be disappointed Ben now we don't like LockTech and they're our opener for the men's and women's basketball, the men at home, the women on the road. So this is where we got to start taking on. We now it now we got the lady texters happening here, Ben. Yeah, the ugh, bulldogs, lady texters. We've gone over that before on this pod. It's actually a really fun history. Yeah. Well, what should? Should we just go ahead and mark down two wins for the Cats on this one? Oh, man, I don't know. It's going to be tough sledding, I think, for both teams. And I think we'll start with the women. Um, women finish the non-conference schedule with a record of 5-7 and seven and um, kind of come in limping, um, if I'm being honest. Losing four in a row, four games that they were all in but just couldn't find a way to win and didn't really finish non-conference on the best foot, especially with those four losses in a row. But Losing to a UTRGV team that I believe was 0-9 or 0-10 at the time. Um, so definitely struggling a little bit. We've seen some signs of good, um, but they've just got to put it together for an entire 40 minutes, and I think that's the big key. And Louisiana Tech's kind of the opposite. They come in off, off a couple big wins. They just beat Abilene Christian um, by 17. They beat South Alabama by 34. So they're coming in pretty hot, and they beat Cal Baptist by 26. So. Um, three pretty impressive wins coming in um, to the conference opener over Sam Houston's coming in 
with uh, four kind of disappointing losses. So yeah, no, that's program, gonna, that's going to be a hard one. <laughs> that's going to yeah. be tough. And, two programs and, trending in the they're very different directions right now. Very much so. And when you look back at the women's season right now, of their wins, only three of them have come against Division One competition. One against the Sun Belt, one against the Southland, and one against the SWAC. Uh, and let's let's be honest, HCU and Florida A&M aren't necessarily good teams by any means. And I'm not sure Texas State women are either, but they haven't had a win over a Division One program since December 1st. Yeah. And it, it really is concerning. And just like you, uh, it's been close. Five to SMU, four to Utah Valley, 11 to Arlington. But that one at home? against UTRGV, I want, I want so bad to chalk that game up to it's the holidays. Things are different for the players too, as they are for us during this time. I want to chalk it up to that. I just don't know that I can because they haven't shown me otherwise. Yeah. And I mean, it's a game where you got the game at home. It's a team that hadn't won a game coming into that point. And, I mean, that game, I know UTA, UTSA, um, there's been a couple games where you've led the majority of the game and just haven't finished. I mean, almost all of their losses besides Texas Tech or within Texas Tech and U of H have been within 10 points. So it's not like you're getting blown out. You're in these games. You've just got to find a way to put it all together when when it comes down to crunch time. And these first two games are not easy. They're on the road. They're heading to Ruston. Then they go to Bowling Green for Western Kentucky. Uh, on Saturday and Wednesday. So by the time we have a next podcast out next Thursday, they're going to have two road games. And uh, boy, an 0-2 start would not be ideal in this conference. No, I mean, it's tough sledding. I think I picked them sixth, and that might, might, might even be a lot. I mean, I think they're probably trending kind of towards the bottom right now. But we've seen them play well at times. I think they have it in them. But until they can put it all together, it's going to be hard for them to win a lot of games. Okay, that's the women. Now, for Chris Mudge and the men's team, uh, you know, we look, they've got some really, really close losses to Arizona State on the road, right? They've got uh, a loss to Missouri State. They they beat ULM at home, but they, they lost to Texas State. Grand Canyon, we know that's a good team. Texas Tech was... Uh, I think it wasn't a surprise, but I think 96 to 60 was not something I was expecting to see uh, from Sam Houston in this one. <clears throat> they were able to to rebound on uh, yesterday, on Tuesday. We're recording this on Wednesday. They were able to rebound Tuesday and beat Division III U Dallas Crusaders 93-53 but they're not heading into conference play um, fully fully rolling here either. They're, they're limping a little bit as well. And, I mean, limping in based on their play the last couple games and also limping in from an injury perspective. Uh, Lamar Wilkerson and Cam Huefner, who are the two-year starters, their status for Saturday is up in the air. So that's going to be a really big key to if this team can have some success and um it's another team that i mean we've seen them be competitive in pretty much every game and they just haven't put it together i mean really close loss at old miss kind of fell apart in the second half against oklahoma state uh lost in overtime to utah valley 
I was with Missouri State. You fell behind by about 20 and got it to four or five there at the end and just couldn't do it. So, I mean, they, they've played well enough to have nine or 10 wins at least, but they just haven't done it. Uh, they're just going to have to put it all together. And one thing that kind of does give me a little hope is Chris Mudge in the pregame and postgame yesterday said that they kind of changed uh, some things on the offensive and defensive side of the floor. And the, the players looked a little more comfortable against U Dallas. I know it's U Dallas, but um, it was the first time really all season. And we have played Paul Quinn, who's another non-D1. But really the first time all season we've seen the team get good looks offensively and look comfortable defensively. So I don't know what those changes were exactly, but maybe they're starting to figure something out, which is good, but you've got to get healthy as well. Um, I think that's going to be the biggest key. Getting healthy, that that's number one. Uh, when you look at college basketball teams, it's very interesting how this divide happens for a lot of teams. I see it at, at every level every year. You have teams that start out, they get through the first part of this season, they get to that Christmas break, and they're unsure, right? And then there's an adjustment made. There is a time during the Christmas break when students are not allowed to be on campus. Everybody kind of gets away. It's almost a long weekend little break that they get. And, and you're able to realize uh, the good coaches are able to get in there, see what hadn't been working, make those adjustments, and come out of the Christmas break playing really well. And it sounds like that might be what we're seeing uh, from the Bearcats, at least that's what we're hoping because now these games matter. Yeah. And that's what we're hoping for at least. And uh, two years ago, uh, the 2021, 2022 team that I think finished second or third in the whack. I mean, they had a horrible non-conference schedule. They lost by 30 to Bradley um, in a neutral, neutral site game. And, they had a come to Jesus meeting after that game and they flipped the switch, went 13 and five in the WAC, I think made it to the WAC semifinals. Um, so I'm kind of hoping that that's what's going to happen with this year's team. Cause I feel like they, they have too much talent to not at least be kind of fourth, fifth, sixth in this league. Um, I don't think this is a bottom, bottom of the league kind of team. They've got too much talent. So um, I hope they can turn it around. They need to, um, they need to get healthy. So um, got to put it together, got to get healthy and we'll see where things go from here. And for those of you curious, those games, the men's game is on ESPN Plus at 430. It's in Huntsville. So if you are in and around the Huntsville area, get to Bernard Johnson Coliseum, 430, Saturday, Louisiana Tech. The women are in Ruston, 2 o'clock. So you can tune into them. They're also on ESPN Plus. Tune into that one at 2 o'clock as soon as they end. Flip on over to the men's game. It should be pretty close to ready to go around 4.30. Ben, it is wonderful to get back to this. And for anyone listening, we are planning on getting back into that weekly here. We, we're not planning on any more life events happening here for a little while. Yeah, we're not planning on it. We'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, that's the great thing about life is you don't get to plan it. It just happens. Yeah, that's the way it goes. <laughs> there it is. There's your thought for the day. You don't get to play in life. It just happens. Yeah, thought-provoking. There we go, Ben. <laughs> that's right. Deep thoughts. <laughs> Am I the only one also that remembers deep thoughts from Stuart Smalley on Saturday Night Live? Yeah, that was before my time. You're dating yourself again. Yeah, geez, man. He became a senator, too, from Minnesota. <laughs> 
trying to remember because he got kicked out. But anyway, I could digress and go on about that forever, but there's no need to. No one cares. <laughs> oh, man. We just come out winging it for the new year, Ben. Oh, yeah. I mean, what did you expect? Yeah, well, yeah, that's what we did last year. Why not? Why would that change during, the off, during a little week off or so, right? Oh, yeah. We're the same people, <laughs> same guys. Ben, thank you so much. I appreciate you. And we want to say thank you to you, the listeners and the viewers. Without you, we're not able to do any of this. And until next time, Ben, we need something that's going to help us get a couple wins against uh, Law Tech this week. So give us give us what we're going out with. <laughs> Eat them up, cats, and blue is a disgusting color. Get it out of the conference. Blue is disgusting.